Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers podcast. This is episode 14. My name's Rick and we're joined today by Tom Cauldron. Hi, Tom. Hello. And I'm also joined by the other Tom as well, Tom Lovewell from Redwell Games. Hello, Tom. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you both for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on uh, speaking to us again. So we're the Sheffield Board Games Club. We play board games usually in the city of Sheffield, but we haven't been recently been playing online and at home <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, one of the things we've been doing is um, online gaming. So we played a few on YouTube and things like that, streamed it to YouTube, played on Board Game Arena and Tabletop and things like that. Played a few nice games recently, Dice Forge. Uh, it's one that I quite enjoyed. That's the one where you build your own dice. I don't know if you've played that one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you build your own dice, you stick faces on it, and then your dice get better as you, as you go along. Uh, I've also played Can- Clans of Caledonia as well. Played that a few times. That's a good, uh, a nice solid Euro game about whiskey making in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, I played that. I think yeah, the Dice Forge, I don't, I've not played it online, but I think I'd missed the, um, the tactile nature of using a little crowbar to get a dice face off and then sticking a new one on. Yeah, the dice yeah. are the probably the best part of it, rolling the Absolutely, dice and sort yeah. of building them up and stuff. So it's it does lose a little bit. I have a question. In the online version, can you clearly tell the difference between the light grey and the light beige faces? Because I struggled with that with the physical one, so... Um, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Um, they've all got icons on them, and the icons are pretty easy to read. Ah. So, yeah, I think it's yeah pretty pretty easy to see the difference between them. Yeah, and, and if you hover over it as well, it's got the advantage where it tells you exactly what it does, you know, the cards, yeah. the dice, faces, things like that. You hover over it, and it gives you like a little toolbox that tells you, you know, the rules for that particular item, so that's quite handy. So what, what have you guys been up to? I've been playing plenty of card games of Quirk with my son, Um I've gone back to the dark side and played a fair amount of tabletop war game uh, War Machine with my son. But we've also played a fair amount of board games. Um, I've introduced him to Catan in the last week or two. We've uh, played yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> some Santorini. Uh, we played at the weekend the classic Hero Quest, but also picked up um, some new games. So uh, I backed last year um, Gladiatores, and due to a minor moving house snafu, um, I actually only got it this weekend, so I've broken that out and played that, and also Houses of Knowledge, which was designed in Sheffield by a gent called Tebow, and the other Tom and myself had the pleasure of being involved in the playtesting, and that turned up last week, so I've also played that as well. And today, actually, um, I was taking part of the um, virtual GridCon that is mm. virtually being held in Devon, so... Um, much close to where I've now moved to, and played Prisma Arena online, or rather, my son played, and I was doing all the controls for him, and he mm. liked it a fair bit, so he said, when it comes out in September, can I have it for Christmas, please? So, <laughs> so yes, that's one to watch for end of the year. So how, how does that work with the virtual forum then? Do you, with the virtual uh, con, do you kind of have a forum where you meet up and suggest games to play, or do you just jump into um, to whatever's going? Or how, There's how a Discord where so there's eight tables that are available on the discord so people Mm. sort of chat to arrange there but also there's a pre-book system particularly for people giving demos and there's a bunch of people there i think there's david turchi vitali um there's bez there's david digby there's guys from there's hub games obviously because i played their game today and a bunch of others where they're saying we're demoing at this time and so you you can sign up to join in so there is a sign-in sheet up sheet for specific things and a discord as well and it's good you know um it's the first Mm. virtual convention i've been involved in in any way and i'm going to see if there's anything tomorrow i'm tempted to try swatch which is coming out to kickstart in august got Mm. snowden i've forgotten his last part of his surname lovely guy met him Mm. at tabletop scotland um, when the game was originally called CMYK, cards look great. I've not been able to play the game because I've been demoing at the same time he has. So I'm going to mm. try and take up the opportunity to play that. Looks really, really nice. It's really sort of thematically strong with the colours. Did you see it at Aircon at all, Tom? Uh, it was on a table right next to Bezza stand where I was helping out. And I never got to actually have a look at it again. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem I've got. meaning to. Yeah, it's like, I want to, it looks nice, it looks interesting, and I've never sat down, so that's 
my hope is tomorrow I'll be able to get a game of that in. As I said, I met Scott, um, and he's a lovely guy, um, and it does seem really good. So, yeah, at least you get a chance to yeah have a look at it then, and yeah, have a go. So yes, yeah, so that's my top tip for August: yeah. check out Swatch on Kickstarter. Okay, so uh, like I said, we played uh, lots of games recently, so we're going to chat about a couple of those that uh, that we've been playing. One that I've played recently is a game called Res Arcana. Uh, this is from two to four players, plays between twenty and sixty minutes. It's designed by Tom Lehman. And he's done lots of games. He's been a designer for quite a while. So Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy, uh, a game called The City, which is also being implemented as a game called Jump Drive, but same game, I think. Uh, Favour of the Pharaoh. And while I was looking, also all the Pandemic expansions, he's, did that, he's had a hand in designing some of those as well. It's an engine building game, basically. So it's um, the theme is kind of two or two, or two to four wizards sort of dueling and trying to get points. Not quite sure what the theme is really. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> You're getting resources and getting points, basically. In the game, you get a deck of 40 cards. And out of those 40 cards, you deal eight to each player. And that's all the cards that you get during the game. So the rest go back in the box. So with a two-player game, you're only going to get eight cards each. Uh, these cards will let you get resources and uh, turn those resources into uh, different resources and points and gold and things like that. Uh, there's five different resources. this green, black, red blue and it's also gold as well um some of the cards are creatures so you've got like creatures dragons things like that some cards will give you a bonus to uh playing these out so if a dragon costs a certain amount of resources to play it sometimes uh, another card will give you a discount on that to make it a bit cheaper uh, and the game really is about finding these combinations so if you need you know uh um, four blue to, to play a particular card. You have to sort of figure out how you're going to get those four blue. And there's usually d- different combinations and different ways of doing it. So it's kind of uh, a cross between an engine builder and kind of a Euro game in that it starts off like really slowly. On the first couple of turns, you might only get two or three resources, but it builds up and it builds up. It's kind of exponential at that point. So uh, then you'll get four and then you'll get eight and then you'll get 16. So um, you're doing your combos. So you might... Uh, you know, turn a card to get to discard four blue to get a gold, and then you use the gold to do something else, and then you use that to do to untap your blue card again to tap it again. So there's loads and loads of combos to find. Uh, and like I said, with the eight cards that you get in your uh, deck that you start off with, you kind of have to make it work with those eight cards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit random because you get them dealt at the start of the game, but there is a drafting. Uh, a variant where you can draft the cards at the start so you can kind of see some of the cards and sort of build you know once you've played it a few times you can build sort of a strategy based on on uh, what you want to go for we, me and tracy have played this two player so uh, probably takes about 30 40 minutes something like that to play a game with two players i think with more it'll probably take a little bit longer because you you only do one thing per turn you only do one action like turning a card to do to get some resources or you turn one resource or another so it's only a really quick turn that you do um but i think with three or four it'll probably take a little bit longer because you'll be sat waiting for other people to do to do their things you know while it's coming back to your turn again but with a two-play game it's really snappy mm-hmm. um plays fairly quickly um i do something and then tracy will do something and then i'll do something and then tracy will do something so it's kind of that back and forth you know it's really quick that way and trying to find the combos and the best ways to get you know your resources for the particular cards that you want to buy um it's really good it's a really a really tight game um like i said really well designed the art is really nice on it um the artist is julian delval the cards themselves, they have kind of this iconography language on them. So there's a lot of icons to learn and a lot of, you know, symbols and things like that. But you get some really nice um, helper cards, some uh, sheets that tell you, you know, what the what the uh, symbols do and what they mean. So it's quite easy to work out once you've played it a couple of times. You know, you'll get to know uh, what each of the symbols means and, and how it works. Uh, so there is a bit of uh, symbology and a bit of learning involved. But like I say, it's um, it's pretty easy once, you've, uh, once you get your head around that. And the playing aids help a lot. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Res Arcana, that is. Hmm. I've heard really good things about that. And uh, mm. I've played a couple of, a few games by Tom Lehman. And Race for the Galaxy is a... I always thought it was a really impressive game. Mm. One of the great games. Uh, and, yeah, so I'd really like to try a Res, a Res Arcana at some point. Yeah, You say it plays really well as a two-player. 
Uh, yeah, uh, that's the only way I've played it so far. Um, so I can't, can't really comment on three and four player. I'm not sure how, how you know, quickly it would, or how much of a difference it would make. But uh, a two player, yeah, we can play it in 30, 40 minutes. Um, like I say, it's kind of a, an exponential thing. So you, you, it builds up and builds up and builds up. So you start off really slow. If you've played the city or jump drive, that's a similar sort of thing. You start off getting like one card and then at the end of the game, you're drawing like 20 cards out of the deck. It's a similar sort of thing with this. So that, that feels really good, you know, when you're playing it and you're getting all these resources coming in and you've got all these choices in front of you, what you want to do with them. Um, yeah, it's really good fun. Good stuff. Uh, what about you guys? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I've, been, I've played um, obviously quite a few two-player games with Paula mm-hmm. and uh, a few online things on Board Game Arena. Uh, this last week or so, I've been trying to play uh, quite a few games of a game called Quantum. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been out for quite a few years now. I think it's 2013 or 2014 or something it came out. And it's a clever way of using dice. So you've got three spaceships, and each one of the dice carrying a different number. Mm-hmm. And if it's a one, it's a battle station. If it's a two, it's a I don't know, something else, warship or whatever. If it's a six, mm-hmm. it's a scout. And it's it, as a two-player, it's a quick little fight in a... Uh, it's a knife fight in a phone box, really. <laughs> um, it's... You're racing to try and get your quantum cubes on planets. It's a space theme, but basically it's an abstract strategy game. There's a little bit of manoeuvring things around. You can get lots of combos, like this This ship has a special power. If it's a three, it's got a special power of warping, so it swaps places with another ship. If it's a two, it's got a special power of carrying another ship while it's, when it's moving. They've all got their own special power. So you can find this weird combo. So I use this ship to get over there and taking this one and then that one swaps with that one over there and suddenly I'm next to this planet and I can put, put a, cool, uh, a cube down. Or move over there and suddenly I'm next to your ships and I can attack them. Because there's moving to place cubes and also trying to attack other people. So it's uh, a bit of combat and interfering with each other's plans. And uh, yeah, so a bit of take that. And as a two-player game, it's really quite snappy. We had some games that were like 10 minutes, some games that were a bit longer, like 20 minutes. But yeah, um, it's one way you could just pick it up, have a quick game. Every turn is a little puzzle, trying to get the best thing out of it. And then it builds up to a head, and it, uh, it's over. It's doing 20 minutes. It's a really nice little fun game. It says on a box, though, it takes 60 minutes. I've, I'm not sure exactly how you'd manage to take 60 minutes. Probably, must be people that are considering it. They moved a lot closer than we were. <laughs> I've seen people playing this at the club, and uh, yeah, it looks. I like real. I'm trying it myself, but it, I really like the aesthetic of it. The like, it's kind of like Star Wars, Star Trek kind of. Yeah, spaceships and planets. I mean, it's one of these like things that. where um, the theme it fits, and it uh, you can explain all the um, the things that think that the ships do mm-hmm. based on what they are. Orders to the battle station, so it doesn't move very fast, but it's really tough. And it's gonna have a uh, gonna beat most things in a battle, and this is a scout. It's really fast, but it's not very strong. Yeah. You can explain things in that terms, but the theme is good for explaining it. But it doesn't really come through. You don't feel like you're expanding a space empire. Yeah, yeah. See what I mean? It's just so, dice yeah. on the board. So it could have yeah. been. It could have been a totally different theme, and they got the same game. The, the dice but, look yeah. nice, though. They are not, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I seem to remember when I first got it, the dice were sort of weirdly sticky. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah, they're fine uh, now. I mean, if I don't think yeah. it is, probably washed them a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, but it's a very nice game. Does that scale up at all with more players? Do you think, or is it? Uh, it plays two to four. To... I've, as I say, right. most of the games have been just two player game with me and Polly. Uh, I played mm-hmm. one game of it as a four player game on Board Game Arena, which was very weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because okay, m- more people to mess up your plans in between your turns and more people to gang up on whoever's about to win, but it's hard to tell mm. who's about to win. <laughs> well, well, that was my question. Because of the, yeah. the take that element, it can really when you have three or four people, it really does seem to have more of an impact than when it's you versus someone else. It's almost a case of I could be selfish because there's only one person I've got to beat, whereas when you've got yeah. three other opponents, you've got to be a little bit more sneaky, don't you? Mm. Yeah, and you get lots of interesting little um, dynamics like, oh, someone needs to stop them getting their last planet. You do that. I'm going to go over here and do this planet. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got to do that now, otherwise they're going to win. Yeah, I I quite like that sometimes in games where you get that kind of decision where, well, somebody's going to have to stop them, 
But I'm not going to do it. I'll let somebody else do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've been playing um, Houses of Knowledge, Knowledge this week. I say this week. Um, I was involved in playtesting Houses of Knowledge at the Treehouse um, yep, me too. board game cafe, along with you, Tom, because you organised the playtest sessions, didn't you? Yes, and we hope they're going to be con- uh, starting up sometime soon, but who knows? Yes, obviously it's been on hold the last few months. So it's, I found it really interesting. So I'm going to talk about my feelings about it and then how about the gameplay works. Because I watched it develop as a game, it's nice getting the game and playing the final thing. But for me, the joy was just opening it up and seeing all the extra work that um, Zora Mea, Moe, the artist, um, that she's done. Um, there's so many little bits in there so the the art she's taken um different sort of themes with that the characters and there's so much little bits in there that actually that blew me away i like the gameplay so and i'll come to that very soon but it just seems to be a very different product to what tivo first brought out about a year ago i think it was yeah now um It's, it's really developed nicely yeah bless him though you can tell that he's French because um, there's one card which said we hanged it, hanged it, sorry, rather than hung. And it's like, oh, yeah. but you, you, you can forgive him because he's a lovely French chap. So, um, <laughs> yes, Houses of Knowledge, the principle of the game is you are putting together a museum and the other players are your rivals trying to put together their museum. And um, each turn you get a certain amount of revenue from your museum and it increases with more rooms you've got, um, but really only if the room has got artefacts or exhibits in there, so the number of items. And then once you've got your revenue for each round, you've then got a number of items that you can buy, extra rooms that you can buy, but also, um, for want of a better word, staff members you can hire. Now, some of them have uh, one-off purchase price dependent on where they are so if they're on the far right hand side they only cost one money cash but if they're on the far left of the line of i think it's five or six they cost you ten and when they go um they all move down so it's a very similar mechanic to what people have probably seen before and very much the start of the game it is a fight over getting the items that are the cheapest and some of the key um, agents that are cheap. But as you move on through the game, you get mechanics that kick in that actually you can start comboing and get extra money rather than just at the start of your turn and then buy more expensive things. And I've seen a few times playing the game where people have nearly bought everything in a round. Mm-hmm. And it goes from slow build, slow build to absolute insanity in about a two turns and then you resolve who's the winner um so some of the agents what they do is you've got the guards that protect your um museum and they cost a certain amount to upkeep every turn but you've then got others that are either a professional thief or you have um historians or you have um experts in their particular field so you've got the modern art history um critique who would go in and you can either use them basically and they force another museum to discard an item from their um museum which is fairly helpful to you because you're trying to make yours better by other people's worse or you can spend five money cash and steal it and yeah it it's really nice the way that you get those difficult choices of do I spend the extra five and try to steal it and make me better, but then affect um, whether you can actually afford something else on the board to purchase, which could be useful. So there's lots of combinations for options. Um, yeah, at the weekend I played it um, with a friend who'd come over now that lockdown is easing a bit. She had played it at the playtesting session and my wife, who'd never played it before, completely whooped us. So it is very accessible. Yeah, 
It's quick as well. I don't think it's um I don't think what Tebow's gone for is a a realistic depiction of the life as a as running no, a museum. It's not. <laughs> it's not a simulation. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I mean, my answer to the curator, I don't think he's ever mentioned hiring a professional thief to no, go no, and no, spoil um... someone else's collection. Um, so, <laughs> well, not not that she's told you, but I think that's that's one where theme is um, instead of it being thematic, it the actual um, the tension between the theme and the gameplay actually enhances it. So, so it's a. It's something you can constantly joke about, so, rather than it being uh, hmm. actually yeah. uh, modelling. Yeah, I'd agree. So, is this? Do you, do you know if this is available uh, elsewhere? Is it a Kickstarter, or is it just is it available in shops or from their website? It was a limited run Kickstarter, so I think um, hmm. Tebow had a few more than um, was needed for the Kickstarter. But it's not going to be a large amount, so I, it's something very much mm. that you'd need to search for um, because he had a very limited print but run. As a local designer, it, it may well be available in the yes, it um, anywhere. Yeah, it's very much a search online for it. That's your best way. I don't think it's got into many shops because it was. I think two red squares yeah. is uh, the company mm-hmm. name. Company okay. being yes. But I've um, had the pleasure as well of having a quick in, um, chat with Tebow and Moe um, about the game as well. So I think we're playing that, aren't we, Rick? Hi, I'm joined um, by Tebow and Zora Mayer, the designer and um, artist, respectfully, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> Um, of um, Houses of Knowledge that um, recently funded and um, has been produced and come out um, this um, tobacco's within the last week or so. Um, as you've just heard um, in the podcast, myself and Tom Cauldron have been playing it this week. Um, so nice to meet you again, Tebow and Hello. Zora Mayer. Nice to see you again. <laughs> so, um, so I'll start with you, Thibaut, the designer of the game. Um, yep. You started designing the game part of a university project, is that right? So that game was started uh, as part of, a, of a, a university project. Yeah, I was taking a, a design module uh, at the Open University, and part of the uh, uh, one of the assignments was to actually design the game uh, in about uh, in about three weeks. So they were more expecting uh, something like uh, a revamped uh, Snakes and Ladders. But uh, due to the fact that I already have previous experience into uh, into games through a, a video games career, I just couldn't <laughs> stop on that. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a bit not enough. So I just I just slightly took a hit on my grades with uh, with that and decided to go on a, on a bit more difficult project, which ended up uh, after one year uh, being Houses of Knowledge. But like the the original theme and the uh, the original idea were all due to a university project. Yeah, yeah, yeah I certainly wouldn't say it's snakes and ladders. It's um... <laughs> slightly yeah. different. Possibly snakes and. Um... Artifacts and artwork and items, maybe. <laughs> um, so, as we mentioned in the podcast, and the the theme hazard of knowledge is um, being a curator um, and um, running museums. Any particular reason why that jumps to you for inspiration, or um, again, it goes back to the uh, to the original assignment, which was about uh, the the one constraint was you have to take a theme which is a service. Uh, I decided that there were uh, probably enough of uh, that was not it was really a service, yeah. And then I decided there were probably enough of things that like were like. Uh, farmers and coffee makers and baristas and whatever. So I decided to go more on to something that might be like more of a community thing. 
and then I just like checked out what there was like you can go museum, uh, library, garbage collector. Garbage collector. I had like I had an idea for garbage collecting, but that was also like the thing they used in the example, so it was a bit <laughs> tricky. To, <laughs> so you quite that. literally scrapped that idea. Yeah, and then afterwards it's much more like, okay, what does uh, spark my imagination engine? And librarian does it, but in not a so safe direction. So, <laughs> museum it was. Uh-huh. Um, and, and a couple of minutes ago you said um, you were involved in games design, so video games, yes? Yeah. So um, for a Luddite as myself who hasn't played video games for about 10 years, what games mm. have you worked on um, out of curiosity? Uh, as a designer, there's no games that you can play for me which are video games because I was uh, essentially on prototypes, which never made the light of day. <laughs> is about 90 it's 90% of the video games industry, yes. Yeah? So. <laughs> so, lots of development, uh, not much release. Uh, and before that, I was a, I was a QA tester, and on that, I did uh, The Sims, uh, I did The Sims 2, I did Need for Speed, uh, I did some Tomb Raider, even though I don't remember the one, this, which this one? Dishonored. Oh yeah, I did Dishonored also, uh, uh, I did a bunch of uh, way more obscure titles, some of them sold for £10 directly in <laughs> supermarket also, because, you know, that's the bread and butter, so... <laughs> Would you say your experience then working on video games helped you with the board game design? Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, it's like it's exactly the um, um, it's exactly the same principles uh, that we follow. So, first off, uh, we're actually making a product, right? It's like the game is a product. It's something that you're going to have to sell to an audience uh, at the end of the day. So, the first matter is more or less what audience am I targeting? Uh, what does that audience expect from a game and how do I deliver that within the economics uh, that I can uh, that I can have so like what is my budget uh, what are the things that are uh, uh, possible to make uh, what are the existing mechanics on the market etc 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 and uh, the, the other thing that uh, was probably a very big advantage uh, with the experiences. I'm very able, I've learned early on to kill ideas as soon as I see that they are not going to work or that it's going to be too difficult to, uh, to implement them. So like more, I always go back to the big picture uh, and go like zoom in, zoom out on the details and then back to the big picture. And if, if something is not fitting, if something is not going to make it, if something is going to take one year of development for probably 5% of the game, just cut it out. And from experience, I know that this at the beginning is really difficult because like, you want all your darlings close to you. But at some point, you're just like, it's okay, I'll recycle that into something else <laughs> later on. So you're generally able to sacrifice your darlings so to speak yeah <laughs> all of them to the gods and Zora Mayer you are um, the artist involved um, or the graphic design for Houses of Knowledge um, yes. did you need strong guidance from Thibaut or were you able um, or, or did you have a lot of free reign? Was it how collaborative was it? Uh, so one, only one constraint he gave was he wanted to be uh, Art Deco style. Yep. And he wanted it to be bright color theme. That was the only thing he gave, and the rest was all free. <laughs> I had lots of freedom. <laughs> Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head with bright colours and Art Deco theme. <laughs> um, and this is your first board game that you've worked on. Um, so, uh, published, right? published board game, it's first, but we did make two prototypes board games in yep. the past with our one of our friends and 
that one had to be on hold because our friend got uh, family and the situation changed, so we we couldn't go further. But uh, I have two prototypes I designed, and yeah, other than that, all digital games I always worked for ten years or so. So, you, uh, so digital games. Can, can, mm-hmm. Similar question. Jinx Tebow, but I'm assuming yours have seen the light of day? Uh, so, sorry. So you, yours ha- have the games that you've worked on been released then? Uh, Whereas Tebow's uh, didn't. Yeah, the games you worked on, the video games you worked on were ah, released. Yeah, 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 yeah. Video games, they are <laughs> out. Um, one you could still check is Bubble Island 2. I think it's still on mobile. Um, so were they more mobile games then, or...? Yeah, um, mobile games, mainly mobile games, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and moving forward, um, are you both thinking on continuing to design board games, card games, and get involved in more graphic design and artwork as well? We're hoping so. We are. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. At least, uh, I'm certainly hoping to do uh, to do more board game design. I don't know if it will go to uh, a Kickstarter or for the or through the traditional publishing route, or if it will stay at the at the stage of prototypes as usual. But the, I enjoy making games in any way. <laughs> that yeah. is not going to stop. <laughs> we have to on the pro pro production of prototype yeah. phase at the moment <laughs> and yeah and would you want to work um on more games um obviously the ones that um Tebow's designing Zora May yeah, um, yeah, yeah. would you but would you be interested in design providing artwork for anyone else with that yeah, yeah that no, I'm in? always open for business and mm. uh, <laughs> any kind of like Art needed just talk to me. <laughs> I'll figure out. We will figure out. Very good. Um, and and obviously, you are, as people can tell with my very strong Sheffield accent, not a lot, and clearly your strong Sheffield accents, not a lot. Um, <laughs> are you going to be remaining in Sheffield for much longer or? That's a great question. That's a, yeah, that's a good question. It's something that we actually uh, we don't know. Um, uh, Maya has a, has a so like she has a day job, <laughs> uh, which might take her to uh, might take us to uh, to London for uh, for some time. Uh, I'm still in between, so uh, we don't know yet. Uh, we might be we might be moving a bit more south. The the weather might be playing a part of that <laughs> in that too. But like the, the nature of uh, the, the the nature of the works that we've uh, we've been following uh, so far makes it that it's difficult for us to know wherever we are going to be within the next six months, anyways. So, mm. Fair enough. So well, if if you do leave Sheffield, like I uh, have recently, I'm sure. Um, you will be missed by everyone at um, the playtesting at Treehouse um, Cafe oh, we'll because, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, it was lovely to playtest with you there, and um, and you should have brought Zora Mayer along more frequently than you did. <laughs> that was the biggest mistake you made. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> And then now I, 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 now I want to, and then I can't because it's so <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, well, it's been lovely to talk to you both. Where can people find you? Where can people find Houses of Knowledge? Uh, currently, the only way to get it would be to message us on uh, Twitter or Facebook. So you can do so by looking for Two Wet Squares. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to set up shop, uh, digital shop, uh, rather quickly, so we'll let us uh, we'll let people know on social media once that is done. Okay, and so that people know, you are two red squares because quite literally your glasses are two red squares, <laughs> and you are so distinctive. 
<laughs> the, the logo is pretty much giving it all. <laughs> if you go to a convention and I'm here and you know the logo, you should be able to figure out where I am. <laughs> Very much so. I'm sorry, Well, it has been lovely to speak to you both again. And all the best um, with um, future endeavours and obviously with Houses of Knowledge. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Same for you, Tom. Yeah, same for you. <laughs> right. So, well, the other game, keeping on Kickstarters, but this one is now more widely available, is Gladiatores by Bad Cat Games. So I first caught a glimpse of this about... I can't remember if it was a year or two years ago. It was at UK Games Expo. I think it was... No, I think it was a year ago, and then of course I saw it's the gents of Bad Cat Games at um, Glasgow Games Gathering and Tabletop Scotland, and it's a really nice um, Roman gladiatorial combat-based themed game. But it's not just about the gladiatorial combat; that makes up one third of the phases of it, and it's the important third. But um, there's betting involved, there's hiring involved, and everything else. So the principle is not that you're a gladiator, but you are, are a gladiatorial school. Each round, you and the other players get to hire from the mar- star player, star gladiators market, a gladiator. And they're dependent on how many people you can bid and outbid until each school has got a gladiator. And then there is the betting phase, um, and that helps you get extra um, glory wreaths. Um, and then you dip into the gladiator gladiatorial combat, which is a very nice, neat affair where each gladiator comes with nine combat cards, and you pick five extra. And in this, you score um, roses, as the name's called it, Blood for Roses, and this is the favour of the crowd. Um, and to quote badly Oliver Reed, um, win the crowd, you win from Gladiator <laughs> the film, win the crowd, you'll win your freedom. Well, the aim is not to just kill the other person. It's actually to win the favour of the crowd, to put on a good show. And so actually you can earn these roses by doing good things. So I played um, a game with Emily in the week and one of the gladiators gets to do a special move called a leap and you dodge um, a blow from an opponent by jumping over the strike, and you get a rose for doing something funky as that. You don't do any damage, but because it's so Hmm. um, dramatic, you earn the favour of the crowd. And so at the end of the combat, you will have got um, a certain amount of favour from the crowd, and that gives you reward, dependent on whether you've bet bet on the correct gladiator to win will also get you another amount of favor and also whether you actually won the combat gives you a certain amount so over the three to five rounds that you play the amount of points you will score depends on how well you've judged all three elements just getting the favor of the crowd but also winning the contests but also betting correctly and so i found that a really nice mix of things plus at the start at the end of the round, when you've got all these um, glory wreaths, you use that on the following round to start purchasing your next gladiator. So you've really got to be careful on your um, how well you're doing because you could blow it quite easily on an expensive purchase the next round. Yeah, I quite like the look of this one. It's uh, it's good that it's not just based on the fighting. It's it's got like these extra bits on as well, like you yeah. said, the betting and trying to win yeah. the favour of the crowd. Gives it a bit more variety and a bit more, you know, something else to think about rather than just going in gung ho and trying to you know win combat against another player. Uh, how, how many does it play this? How many does it go up to? Um, it's two to five. Mm. Um, so the game plays a little bit different for the two players. So um, we've not done the betting yet because we. With two players, you can't quite get the whole betting element mm. brilliantly into that. There's one of the schools which enables you to bet twice. And obviously that's not quite such a good school to take when you're playing in a two-player version. Mm. But, um, yeah, it, um, it plays quite quickly. It says 30 minutes. I think it, it depends 
and that's the 30 minutes per event i think depending on how many rounds will affect how long it takes mm. so if it's three rounds i suspect that might be the sort of hour hour and a half but if you play for five rounds you're probably looking at more like two hours mm. but i've not played it much and i've certainly not played it with a large group of people to know how close to the time it is but it is a tidy little game i'm quite happy with it to turn up eventually mm. um after all this hiccups with moving house <laughs> yeah that's good all right Prismarine, Prismarine, I've talked about that one. Um, well, as I said, um, I played it online um, as it's not out until September. Oh, okay. Um, and, 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 and funnily enough, it's another combat type game, <laughs> but this one is much more um, softer. So instead of you're just putting hit points on opponent characters, um, but you get to combo cards, there's a lot of similarities in some respects to Gladiatoras. Mm except this one is aimed at a is a much more family game and you have got one hero and you get some muons i think they're called that join with your hero so you've got three characters that go on the board at a time and it's two to four players and you can do one action but you then get combo cards and so it's how you link the actions plus the special abilities of the muons with your character but as you carry on um, and play more and more games, you get more Prisma points and that in a, and you can then customise your hero to do different things. So the more you play, so it's kind of got that legacy campaign element to it. Mm. Um, and the game will come with lots of stickers so that the kids can take um, a character and customise it to how they're happy to look like. Oh, cool. Um, and so that was one of the things that really struck me was actually they've covered so many bases mm. with that that people can customise their own character with all these range of stickers and then as they go through they can add extra bits uh, yeah. and so on. I thought that's really, really cool. It looks really nice, but that you know it took some familiar things, added a few extra bits to it, but that whole how people are going to... Um, particularly um, the younger audience, which it's aimed towards, you know, people like me and my son, <laughs> definitely the key demographic. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, you got like these cardboard standees yeah. uh, with like a base character on it, and you click, they're like plastic, I guess they're like clear in the background, and you kind of stick it over the character to build up, so you can put like different heads on them and different armours and feet and things like that. Yeah, so I had yeah. a chat with Rory during the game and he said that whilst it didn't fund on kickstarter they didn't worry because asmodee put in a big order so it's in production at the moment and oh, wow. they're expecting it to come out um in september time so yeah did you say this is available to play online as well as on yes on tabletop, tabletop simulator, simulator um you mm. can go get it um so you need to look through the workshops but you can download it and play it on there it has the same advantages and disadvantages playing it virtually compared to um, mm. on the tabletop. And particularly with my son, it w I was having to do the actions for him. And so there's it's not as easy, you know, the, the whole hiccup of you can see the card, but you've then got to click on magnify and all of those elements. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing at home with younger people, that literal distance from the table, so to speak, and lack mm. of tactile nature, I think, doesn't help but you still you know we played for about an hour and a half with rory um from hub games and yeah he loved it so yeah it's really bright and colorful this one i like the cover of it as well there's too many games there are <laughs> too many games there are a lot <laughs> but there's also too many cardboard addicts out there to satisfy there are, I'm all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always people to buy these games so yeah Cool. Okay, so uh, moving on then. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is the uh, recent news that the Spiel des Jahres 2020 uh, nominees have been announced by the committee. So the Spiel des Jahres, if you didn't know, is the uh, Game of the Year award. Uh, it's a German-based award, and it's broken down into several different categories. You've got a, a children's game category, uh, a family game, and then a, a kind of Spiel, which is like a more advanced game. So uh, previous winners have been Just One, Wingspan, 
there's been loads, quite a few popular ones. I think Quacks of Quedlinburg won one year. Yeah, they're a kind of spiel a few years back. When they first announced, uh, we were talking about this earlier, when they first announced, they are pretty new at this stage. So when they are announced and they come out, um, not a lot of people have had a chance to play them. So I haven't actually played any of these at all. So I can't speak to how, how even they play. But a couple of them are available. You can uh, you can get them at the moment. I think you guys have played maybe one or two of them, haven't you? So the nominees for the award are My City by Rainer Kinizia, who's released lots yes. and lots of games. I think he's won it before with a game called Celtis. He's been nominated previously for various different games. So the, the My City looks looks pretty cool. It's the roller right kind of game where you kind of filling in a grid and building up a, a, a city. So that's quite cool. Yeah, we've got a legacy element as well. So a little bit of a legacy element, yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting uh, try this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nova Luna by UA Rosenberg, another, another uh, long-time designer, quite well-known. And then another game called Pictures by Daniel Storr. Kenneth Spiel, oh, nominations are Cartographers, A Role Player Tale, D. Crew by Thomas Singh, and The King's Dilemma by Lorenzo Silva, Halma Hack, and Carlo Borelli. So, like I said, I've not played any of those. I'm not sure um, how, how, what are any of them about. Have you guys played any of these? Well, of those six that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, I've played one of them. I've played Cartographers, A Role Player Tale. Oh, yeah. um, I've, I've not played roleplayer, but cartographers set in the same universe I've played, uh, and it's a very nice little roll and write thing where you um, suddenly where you have to create a landscape of you know forests and mountains and lakes, and, ah. uh, and occasionally you have to add goblins or mon- other sorts of monsters onto the map as well, hmm. and they take away from your score, and it's just trying to get the best score at the end. Hmm. It's a it's a very nice little. Um, Entry into the whole roll and write genre, uh, cool. and you get to uh, do a little bit of art on there as well. I mean, you could do the trees just by writing a T, <laughs> or you could draw, uh, or you draw a whole little uh, forest in the square that you've got to. Roll in. Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah, there's one called Harvest Dice, uh, which is a roll and write game, and that one you kind of you get, um, you know, you roll dice to get vegetables, and you can draw little vegetables in. So you're drawing carrots and tomatoes in. So similar sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> So I like that. Yeah, it's good. It's a nice little. It's not yeah. really part of the game, but it's it's just nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only one I've actually played. Um, I've I own the crew, uh, the crew now, mm-hmm. um, but I've not actually played it. It's a. I think it says like it's like a three to seven game player game with a two player version that you can play with. It's not really the game, but you can mm. play it two player. So they don't put it as two to seven. They put it as Three to seven with a two player, right? Uh, but I, I only got that the other day, and I haven't managed to have a go at it yet. Right, um, that's I only quite know. a small card game, I think, isn't it? It's a trick taking yeah, game. It's a cooperative trick taking taking game, which is I've never heard of anyone else doing that. Yeah, yeah. You as the whole group are trying to work out how to get whatever condition you're trying to make. Mm. Like, but yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard of anything else doing a cooperative trick taking. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Another one that's got kind of a not really a legacy, but more of like a campaign thing as well, because you have different thing, you have different objectives as you play through the games, don't you? And for each yeah, game, you like have different fifty different tasks that you have to complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to have a go at that. So um, mm. when we when that's we manage good. to actually get back together, that'll be one of the things I'll be bringing along. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to having a go with that one. So the the children's game uh, has already been announced. So usually the uh, announce the chil- they announce the children's game. Uh, just before they announced the winner. So this is already announced. This is a game called Speedy Roll. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but I had a quick look on Board Game Geek. It looks really cool. You get like a, you get like a tennis ball, and it's called Speedy Roll because you kind of roll this tennis ball along, and the uh, like pieces have got like little Velcro pieces on, and you're trying to pick up these little pieces. I think kids will uh, yeah really like that. I really enjoy it. It looks good, good fun. Yeah. <laughs> I know nothing about any of the uh, children's games that were nominated for. Uh, Apart from the names, and mm. one was called Vs Indie Roboter, which I think should have won in honour of uh, Kraftwerk. <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't think it's actually a Kraftwerk based um, children's game. Oh, that's a shame. Although that would be a fantastic <laughs> thing. Well, I've not played any of these. I'm... Of the nine games, the uh, the three nominated for Game of the Year, three for Connoisseur Game of the Year, and the three for Children's Game of the Year. Yeah. Uh, having only played one, um, I'm not sure if I really even count as a gamer. 
Yeah, I think it requires quite a dedication to sort of hunt these down and play them, you know, yeah. when they're announced. It, it, Absolutely. I, I think I've, I was looking back over the, some of the previous winners and I've played quite a few, you know, that were announced like last year and the year before. So. Oh, yeah. Last year's winner just won. Yeah. It's really come into its own over the last few months. Oh, I've yeah, yeah. A few good games of that over video chat. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. That's great. Uh, I've not I've played it, but I think you've played it a couple of times, haven't you? It's the one where you... You're giving out clues, and you have to write down like an answer to the clue. But if you're sharing the 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 answer with anybody else, it doesn't get shown to the yeah. So you've got to make a good clue, but not not too obvious because mm. someone else will have done it. Um, it just begs yeah. the question: Does the German board game media know something last year that we didn't? It kind of a hmm. it's a conspiracy by the by the maker of just one. They created this pandemic just to make the you know, game. Th- th- this this popular. would be good in a year's time. This would be a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, um, uh, sales of pandemic board game have gone up massively over the oh really has it few months as well. <laughs> have yeah. they spiked? Yeah, they have. Cool. Oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, that's another game I've played recently. Um, the They've released a sort of uh, pared down uh, a little map of Pandemic. Mm. Uh, you know the same that they've been doing the Ticket to Ride maps. They're doing Ticket oh, to yeah. Ride London and Ticket to Ride yeah. New York. Like so smaller, a, yeah, smaller. So you can play the same game in a sort of smaller package and it's a quick little game mm. instead of the whole, the big... It's a similar thing with Pandemic. They've done Hot Zone North America. All right. And again, this is one way you think, hang on, they planned this last year. <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, that was a really good uh, pandemic in half an hour, uh, four-player oh. game. Uh, it's a little map, so everything happens a bit quicker. Yeah, you've only got three colours of disease instead of four. You've got a frighteningly short, um, you know, the um, outbreak track, which mm. goes down to eight, and then if you have any more, you die. Yeah, on the this one, it goes <laughs> down to three, and then if you have any more, you die. Oh no! <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a bit that's a bit scary. But yeah, it was really good. We had two games about the other night. And yeah, won one and lost one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was going to ask yeah, how difficult is it compared to you know the regular yeah. one? Is it can you can you t- kind of tweak the difficulty so if you get a bit good of it, you can make it more difficult? Yeah, the uh, in the full game that you can change the difficulty by having different amounts of epidemic card. Hmm. But in this little one, you've always got three epidemic card scattered throughout. But you've also got crisis cards, which are bad things happen. Hmm. various types, like suddenly you're drawing one more infection every time hmm. or whatever. Um, and you change the difficulty by putting di- different numbers of those in. Uh, zero for the introductory game, three for the standard game, and six for the hard game. Hmm. So that's how they adjust the difficulty in that one, which is a bit different. Oh, cool. They've kind of gone both ways with Pandemic, haven't they? They've had um, quite a few expansions, which obviously adds a lot to the base game. And then they've made lots of uh, variants that have added sort of different rules and different themes and things like that. So they've been adding more and more and more on top of the sort of standard game, but now they're kind of taking it the other way as well, kind of taking, you know, making it a bit simpler and a bit quicker and a bit maybe easier to learn and things. I would say this new one, the, the Hot Zone one, is very much the experience of playing the normal, the base Pandemic game, just... Hmm boiled down to a half-hour quick game. Hmm. So it's just a, a smaller version of the main game. Is it still two to four? Players? It's still two to four. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got four rolls in there, so rather than the six or seven or whatever that you get in the big one. Hmm. That's very good. Yeah, that sounds great, yeah. Yeah, I do like Pandemic, yeah, so that uh, that sounds like for those for those particular occasions where you need something, you know, a bit quicker or... So usually, normal yeah. pandemic only takes but, it takes under an hour anyway, doesn't it? Like 40, 50 minutes maybe to play the full game. But pan- uh, yeah, something like that. But, so so it's not a, it's not exactly a long game time. anyway. Yeah, but, but notably, uh, pandemic uh, not a winner of uh, Spiel des Jahres, even yeah. if it's like one possibly the biggest game in the last fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a bit of a strange award because sometimes they pick things. Um, they're maybe a bit obscure, perhaps just because they're released in Germany, or you know they've got an idea that it might be big sort of later in the future. Um, obviously, sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, I mean everything, anything that does win uh, gets a massive boost of sales oh, yeah. in Germany at least. Yeah, uh, but there's still some that just I, I've never played mm. some of these. Look, I'm, I'm looking back over the history of the awards on, on, the, on Wikipedia here. 
Well, the rules are it's got to have a German release. So Run yeah. Cub, mm. which has been a winner, was one of the oldest games that have won, has won because it just didn't have a German version for years and years and years. And then they went, okay, well, here's now, now it's a German version. And it, the year it came out with a German version of the rules, it won. So um, yeah. it kind of goes both ways that you can have the obscure German ones that no one else has heard except for those in Germany. But um, it's now becoming understood across the globe that actually they kind of know what they're talking about, these Germans. So mm. um, <laughs> Yeah, I think in the past few years, yeah, it's, it, they've become sort of a, you know, a kind of a point where people look at and say, oh yeah, this is going to be, this mm. this game that you've picked is going to be one of the big ones, so we need to, you know, we need to play it and we need to get it stocked yeah. and released across the world and things like that. If it is just a German, you know, just released in a certain part of the world, like Germany already. I think when Settlers came, Settlers of Catan came out and mm. won, and that was kind of when there was, things started to shift, wasn't it really? Mm. That... Um, yes, there had been um, those that broke out more, but I think that was the first, for want of a better word, breakout hit. Just looking back over the uh, winners over the last few years, I've gone back to 2011. Uh, the winner was Quirkle, and I've not played that, but every winner since then I have at least played mm. Mm. Village and Kingdom Builder and Legends of Andor and Hanabi. Istanbul and Camelop. Any particular favourites on there, Tom? Any that you would point out to say that? Oh, that's a good game. Uh, last year's winner, Wingspan, was obviously a phenomenon. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a very nice game. Yeah, it's a good one. That I've only played it once. I'd love to play it uh, a little bit more, but yeah, that's a good a good, uh, a good, pick, yeah. And yeah. 2018, I thought, was a good year. Uh, the winner of the game of the year was Azul. Mm. Very good. See, but I, I like think... Azul, but I personally prefer Summer Pavilion. For, you know, as all three, for want of a better word. I've not played that, yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've played all three of them, um, and Summer Pavilion is definitely my favourite of the Azuls. Um, I've not played the middle one, the stained glass one, but I've played Azul and Summer Pavilion. And out of those two, I think I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind either. I would happily play either one. I think they're just as good as each other. Yeah. But I do, I do really like them. I like Azul a lot. Mm. Um, I'd like yeah. to try Cult Express from 2015. I've seen that one and not uh, got to it. Uh, I, did, I didn't like that one. <laughs> you didn't like that? No, I'm not very keen on that one. Uh, for me, oh. I, I think it was a bit too... It, it's one of those games where you um, kind of all play cards together. It's like a programming game, so you play cards down and then you flip them all over and then and then kind of see what happens. And then your plans go wrong and you laugh and it's all funny. I mean, yeah. What, uh, <laughs> I found it a bit frustrating when things inevitably obviously go wrong. <laughs> yeah. And you don't get to do what you wanted to do and you end up, you know, somewhere else and getting punched and dropping stuff and then... Okay, I meant to be down here, but I was totally all on yeah, the roof of punching yeah. the thin air. Yeah, everybody else was having a great time loving it and <laughs> laughing, but I just thought, uh, yeah, I played it a few times and yeah, not, not really my kind of game, really. Yeah, I'd say you could try it again, but no, there's loads of games out there. Just play it. Just looking back at Azul, I think um, another one, a notable one on the same list, a nominee but not a winner, was The Mind. Mm. And I think that was... That's a spectacular game. But... um, Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. it's, It's a bit too... Uh, wacky, I suppose. Azul is definitely... You, you know where you are with Azul. Mm. You do clever things, and someone wins with most points. Yeah. But the mind, there was a whole debate about whether it's an actual game or not, so yeah, that, yeah. Might have, <laughs> <laughs> that might have uh, influenced the result a bit. Yeah, I've, I've played it a few times, and uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it when I've played it, because it is a novelty. It's a bit of a novel game, isn't it, where you... Yeah, uh, there's nothing else you, like it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of unique in what it does. Um uh, as to it's the Marmite game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I did actually play with a few people who didn't like it as well, who said yeah, the same sort of thing. It's not really a game. It's, it's more even a game. It's yeah. more, more of an activity where you're just playing cards and seeing what will happen. And I guess to some extent, because it's so novel and because it is so you know unique, that is that is kind of true. You do kind of play cards, but I, th- I think it's one of those that you, you know you can. 
the, the more you play it, the better you get at it, especially if you're playing with the same group. You can kind of get into sync, and, and that's really clever how you kind of start getting better and better at it as you play it more. But then once you've once you've got quite good at it, what, what happens then? I've not played it enough to say, does you know, is there a peak where you, you play it and then you think, oh, I'm bored of this, we solved it now, It's you know, we don't play it anymore, or do you just keep getting better and better, or <laughs> I'm not sure. I've not quite got to that stage yet. I've only played it a few times, but uh, I've enjoyed it when I have played it. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, Spiel des Jahres, as a whole, looking back on it, it they do pick quality games. Yeah. You, yeah, you can tell so. something's good if it's been nominated by Spiel des Jahres. Yeah, Spiel yeah. Jahres. It may not be to your taste, but you know it's a good product. Yeah, the, yeah there's uh, quite, a few, uh, quite a few on there that... Uh, that you know you'd be happy to have in your collection and you'd happy to pay sort of any time really, even the nominees, yeah. not even the winners, the nominees, and you know some of the some of those are well, they're all pretty good as well. Ooh, uh, actually, uh, I may have lied earlier on. Two thousand nine oh. pandemic was nominated. I thought it had never been nominated. Oh. It didn't no, I win. I think it was nominated. It didn't win. I think it was the bridesmaid, not the bride. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Dominion won that year, and yeah, okay, well, fair. Yeah, <laughs> they are both really good games. Um, Camp Campbell Up, that's a really good betting game for people yeah. who like sort of betting. And I've got a friend who, uh, who who likes you know betting on the on the football and stuff like that. Um, you know the the betting sites and things. And we we played Campbell Up, and he really loved it because he loves that kind of betting. You know who's who's going to win on the Camel race, things like that. That's a that's a good one. I enjoyed that one. Um, but also, if you have a look at some of these. There's the original game that has won or was nominated in the case of Pandemic mm. and have got a whole slew of expansions and variation, variants come off it. So you've got all the different Catan, you know, now that it's no longer the Settlers of Catan, it's just the Catan series of games. You've got the Carcassonne and all of their versions. You've got upteen different places and variants and tickets to ride. Pandemic, as we mentioned earlier, King Domino, Queen Domino, mm. et al., the Azuls. And so... Um, the Dixit variants that add on to Dominion. It just shows you that it's not just a game, it's the concept, it's everything mm. about it that's good that and good enough to actually go on and create more. It's not just a small single package necessarily. Yeah, yeah, good point, yeah. Looking back in, in history, I think uh, some in the mid-2000s I've not actually played. Uh, the 2007 awards. How many of these have you played? Uh, there were five nominees: Isfahan, Arcadia, Gentites von Theben. Bless you. <laughs> I don't know what the English version of that. It's something of Thebes. The Thief of Baghdad, and Zularetto. No, I've not played any of those. <laughs> no, I've not played any of those. No. I've, I've played Zularetto, uh, the, the dice game, or something. Oh, yeah. I think, but. Yeah, it's been it's been going quite a while, hasn't it? It's been going it for quite a few years. So, nineteen seventy nine, the first winner. Anyone know? No. Not without looking. No. no. Um, Hare and tortoise. Oh, okay. Which I do actually have. I've, I've played that. <laughs> I might play that one. I'm going to look it up now. Yeah. Uh, and so. Very good for teaching you about triangular numbers. Hare and tortoise. <laughs> As, as was the fashion in the 1970s. <laughs> was, was it along with flares and... <laughs> yeah, flares, long orange, hair. brown, triangular numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but 1980 was the first big game, I suppose, Rummy Cub. So, yeah, I think uh, any, any of those games, you're, uh, you, yeah, you, you're pretty good. You can, yeah, you've got a, a pretty good chance of picking up a good one if you, uh, if you want to play any of those. If you can get an English version. Yes. yes, yeah. I guess some of the older ones or some of the more obscure ones are probably more yes. difficult to get I, hold I of. I think some of the older ones are particularly limited English version release and things. Hmm. And and you are looking at more the mid to late 90s and into this millennium, really, when you were getting things from a wider um, pool. And so, hmm. therefore... Um, yeah. More, more than just it's a you know it's a German rules because it's made in in Germany and things. So yeah, yeah. Let's see, they gave a prize to the Rubik's Cube in nineteen eighty. 
Oh, really? That's not a yeah. game. <laughs> uh, no, that's definitely not a game. A solitaire <laughs> game. But, right, okay. Uh, they took a while to... They've, they've sort of settled down on this um, format of having the Spiel des Jahres, which is sort of a family weight thing, the mm. Kenneth Spiel, which is more complicated gamers game, and the children's game. But back in... Uh, over the last few decades, they've been sort of experimenting with different formats, giving, having different numbers of nominees, giving different things. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, yeah they, they've given... Uh, they used to give, like, special prizes for a beautiful game or a solitaire game or whatever they wanted to give something to which wasn't in their main prize. Mm. Yeah. Historical game and do that But also, I think that's why they've introduced the Kennerspiel or the Connoisseur game for those that are, well, maybe not quite the family for sort of some younger aged um, people um, yeah. which I th- you know a couple of years ago um, you've got um, Cracks of Quedlinburg which won the Kennerspiel but I've played with my seven year old so I don't know mm. how that one works <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think it's I think it's good that they've um, they, they highlight more than one game because it kind of gives you more of a a choice then you can pick up either of these games and you know be pretty happy that they're both really solid games uh, I think I agree with Quacks of Quedlinburg it is, it's not well I, I guess some of the books you can uh, throw in more of the books and there's an expansion isn't there that adds more stuff as well so it can yeah, the first game of the year they've been doing since 2011 and here are the winners the first one was Seven Wonders mm-hmm. Village Legends of Andor Istanbul Broom Service Isle of Sky Exit Quetzalcoatl and Bergen and then Wingspan. And none of these are like really heavy games that you'd no. find at the the club that one uh, monopolises the room next door and we've like put three tables together and gets that anachrony or something. <laughs> it's uh, they're, yeah. they're all yeah they they're sort of above what you'd get out like with the family game night. Yeah, uh, get your your grand and your. Uh, mm-hmm. seven-year-old nephew to all get around the table and play something. It's probably a bit much for that. Mm. But uh, they're definitely... Yeah. But they're not going to be a complete brain chewer either, are they? So. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you to everybody for listening to us and thanks to uh, for joining me today. So we've been joined by Tom Cauldron. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. And Tom Lovell as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, if you want to check out any of the games that we mentioned, we'll put links in the uh, descriptions in the show notes so you can have a look at those. Um, if you want to find us on Facebook, we are Sheffield Board Gamers. The forum is www.sheffieldboardgamers.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We're on YouTube, so look us up there. We're on Instagram. Uh, do you want to mention your uh, your details, Tom? Uh, I don't really have any details. Oh, okay. Tom. <laughs> I was talking to the other Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can just find me online, um, uh, Redwall Games, so um, search for everything there. Um as well. Okay, brilliant. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.